I'm Alex Trepchinski. I'm Angie Check. I'm Barbara Stewart. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I'm Marin Green. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Valerie Jacobson. And this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Hello, welcome back to my show. I'm Nathan Riley, the Holistic OBGYN, one-time life scout, two-time dad, and just digging this routine I have with this podcast. It's been so much fun. I'm meeting so many great people. I just interviewed Lily Nichols, an RDN, um, an author of Real Food for Pregnancy and Real Food for Gestational Diabetes. I just interviewed her today. She'll be our next episode. And today I have the distinct pleasure of having James Goodlatte on the show. James is the founder of the longest running exercise training program specific to pregnant women in the United States. That's right. Fit for birth, James Goodlatte. We, in this interview, I mean, granted, he, yes, they are a sponsor of the show, but there's a reason for that. I only work with companies that are very much in alignment with alignment with what I do. And as you know, my work is largely diet, movement, sleep, mindset, hydration, breathing, EMF mitigation, all of those things that allow you to live your most vital life. And really, when you, when you consider this, it's not a matter of just putting in like premium fuel. It's actually living your best life. You're not just waiting for another problem to pop up so you can take a pill or a supplement or to find some biohacking thing that allows you to keep walking. It's not a bad matter of mitigating damage. It's actually a matter of making your body so robust that the damage is minimal all along the way. And this is especially relevant in pregnancy and something that actually Lily Nichols and I talk about in our next episode. So if you can get strong before, during, and after your pregnancy, you're going to be a better parent. You're going to be able to move. You're going to be able to squat. You're going to be able to play with your kids on the ground. It's not going to be like a, you know, this heroic effort to get up off the ground after you've been building blocks with your two-year-old for an hour and a half, like I just did yesterday. It actually is like, oh, that felt good to sit on the ground. So when your body's flexible, when your body's moving well, when your muscles, your connective tissue, your integument, all of that stuff is healthy and nourished through movement, through food, through all those other things I mentioned, you do better. And you don't have to worry about, oh no, I have this injury. Now what do I do, doctor? Or now what do I, now what do, I do James? Like that's not the business we're in. We're in not just prevention, but also optimization as to how your body is, it wants to work, it wants to move. But having said all of that, in pregnancy, there are certain specific things that are not really taught within the exercise science world. You know, it might be like, just don't do it because we don't really know. So just don't do it. We don't want you to cause some harm and then come back and sue us, right? That's what most doctors say. Like, don't exercise in pregnancy. You know, you shouldn't be running. You shouldn't be lifting weights. And I say fooey to that. And James is here to dispel, dispel those myths, but also to encourage more people to exercise because when you exercise, you have a decreased risk of all kinds of bad things happening, which is um, which is what we're talking about in this podcast interview. So Fit for Birth, go to get, getfitforbirth.com slash beloved, and you can save 20% on one-on-one coaching and prenatal education through Fit for Birth. And if you're a coach, that would be if you're a pregnant woman or a person who's postpartum or they're in their conception journey. 
You can also, if you're a coach, get some shoring up of your knowledge and your expertise within exercise science. You can actually start to shore that up a little bit and, and really find your niche in working with a very large portion of our population who's motivated to make the change. So again, that's getfitforbirth.com slash beloved, and you'll save 20% on any of their courses, whether you're a woman who's seeking exercise uh, coaching or you're a coach looking to coach pregnant women. It's all there at Get Fit for Birth. Our other podcast sponsor is Full Well Fertility. They make some of the best prenatal vitamins on the market, hands down, less filler, more nutrients, closer to those RDAs that, uh, that are all over the place when you look in the literature. Ayla is the, the owner. She's a friend of mine, and she has done the work. She is a registered dietitian herself. She's done the work to make sure that her products are packed full. And I've talked a lot about her prenatal vitamin. Today, I'm going to talk about her Nourish Nurse product, which is it's a helpful um, sort of relaxant, right? Not like the baclofen, not those pharmaceutical muscle relaxers, but that real energetic being able to just sit and lean into a space of relaxation, and, um, and this comes as a liquid in a bottle. And each serving has organic lemon balm, organic chamomile. It's the flower of the chamomile you want. Organic linden, organic milky oat tops. It's the seed of oak tops. And then organic ginger, of course, the rhizome, which is the, the gnarly kind of um, root-looking thing you can buy in the grocery store. All organic, no weird stuff added. It is straight into the bottle and will provide you the nourishment you need. So go to fullwellfertility.com. You can use code BELOVED10 and save 10% on your purchase of any of their products. But I do hope that you try out Nourish Nerves. It is a very reasonable price, and you get so much bang for your buck with this product. So I'm super, super stoked to be supported by Fit for Birth and Fullwell. And if you support our sponsors, then I can keep making this show. And I've got so many awesome guests coming up. You don't want this show to end abruptly. Mark Gober's coming on. Allison Charles, Angela Bryant, Alex Rybczynski, Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein are going to be coming on. Doria Kareem from Biogeometry. J.W. Ross, the founder of Feel Free. We've got so many, so many awesome guests on the way. So I really, really hope that uh, you can go and support GetFitForBirth.com and FullWellFertility.com. All right, without further ado, my good friend, the ever charismatic James Goodlatte of Get Fit for Birth is here. Let's get right into it. James Goodlatte, like the most delicious hot beverage you could ask for in the morning. Welcome to the Holistic OBGYN podcast. I'm super stoked to have you. Your your company has come on as a what's going to be, I think, a long-term sponsor. You've already uh, really, we've kind of like already sunk in our teeth into one another as wanting to work together. And um, I, I thought it'd be really, really helpful to have you on the show, James, because what you're doing at Fit for Birth is quite, it's quite needed to say the very least, but it's also this emerging sort of technology of how can we actually cater our exercise programs to women? Because what I'm seeing in the biohacking space and health coaching and everything is that everybody's taking all the stuff that comes from our research, which is largely derived data derived from male demographics and trying to apply it to women without having any real nuance as to how they do it. So let's start first off by telling me, telling everybody, how did you start as a, as a fitness professional? And then what took you to working specifically with women around 
the, the preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum periods? Thanks, Nathan. Well, that synopsis you gave of the data-driven sort of uh, culture where we get these exercises is something we'll get into. Yeah. It's very accurate. And I want to thank you again for having me here and to let you and everyone know that my whole company is very stoked that we get that I get to to have this conversation with you and put this out to whoever it is that's inspired to listen. And so how I got here, and as we discussed, how is it that a guy also, you know, like like a man is doing this? Well, when in the early 2000s, I graduated university with a kinesiology degree in 1999. So I got my first job as a trainer, and I very quickly found people like Paul Check and learned corrective exercise. My One of my personal stories is that I used to kind of like hurt people. For a living. And then as that, you know, oh, my shoulder hurts, oh, my knee hurts, oh, my whatever. And then, and then through corrective exercise, I, I really learned how to help get the right muscles on and help them to heal themselves. And so I realized quickly that old age aches and pains were not so much a thing of old age. Yeah. They're a thing of, well, just not being in the right alignment or muscle balance and stuff like that. Well, my, my love and passion of corrective exercise quickly turned into holistic coaching of various sorts. Right. And so uh, breathing, movement, nutrition, lifestyle, and thoughts. And how can we use those things to correct the challenges and problems that yeah. we're having when exercise maybe isn't the final answer there, right? So mm -hmm. how do you move in that direction? And so that was what took me through. Oh, and then very quickly, I became at various institutions, a uh, master instructor. So mm -hmm. teaching uh, professionals, right? And I loved it. I was super, super a passionate nut. You know what I mean? Like I'm the kind of guy that, that at that time at least brought my own food to, dare I say, restaurants <laughs> and things like this. I mean, it's I I have come a long way since then. And I'm a lot less, let's say, in your face type of thing. But but that's to paint the picture that I was really a all in holistic. Like, what can I do? The answer that I often ask myself, and still today, but back then for sure, that got me into this is. What is it that our ancestors did that was healthy and working out well right. to give them health that they had? Now, of course, our, depending on where you're looking at indigenous history, um, our ancestors, you know, that, did they die early? Yes, oftentimes because of bacteria, things like this that we can solve with other modern medicine, the reasons why we need modern medicine today. But so much of, of indigenous uh, research and, and stories shows us that just honoring a few time-honed evolutionary practices like proper breathing, nutrition, right. movement, lifestyle, and thoughts can go so far for healing things. And then let's save modern medicine for what modern medicine is best for, like putting you back together if you get hit <laughs> by a bus or or the bacteria stuff, you know, yeah. like, hey, you're going to have an infection. Let's save your life now. But then let's let's not avoid these foundational issues later, right? Yeah. So that's just me in a nutshell leading right up until I found out I was going to be a dad. <laughs> and at that moment, with my wife at the time, I suddenly, my everything inside of me was like, oh, my gosh, how do I have a healthy child? Mm. So it was. it went from how do I have a healthy child? body and person and all of that I, to how do I have a healthy child? And of course, the answers to this lie in, well, I'll jump into for a moment preconception to say that there is a whole bunch that men and women, uh, parents should be doing before they even conceive. And uh, that was not my own personal story. I didn't sort of make these shifts until until we knew we were having a child. 
but there's a lot there and there's a lot there that could of course be be talked about it's not like oh now is the time to be healthy like it would be great if we just had a healthy population that just naturally went into right. have a baby right? right right so but there there we were going to have a child and and you know i'm the type of guy again coming from my holistic background where it's like oh well babies in america are done in the hospital but i personally don't look at hospitals as a good place for like bringing a baby into the world, like that's a place for sickness, right. right? So that's how what I was thinking back in this was 2007 now, and I was like, gosh, I I just don't know that that's that's not what I want. Like that, that doesn't make sense to me. And my wife at the time again was uh, a trainer into the holistic health with me and stuff like that. And so we were we were open to looking at other things. And um, I have some family. Uh, my mother is from Portugal, and so I was looking into well, maybe we need to go to Portugal. I literally started researching like where else can we have right. a baby. Right. And um, not, you know, just thinking that in America, you do it with with hospitals. Right. And, you know, I, I I didn't I've never for a long, long time. Anyway, I've not really even gone to doctors. I yeah. go to an acupuncture, a chiropractor. You know, I go to, to to those sorts of people. So to go to the allopathic medicine where you, you know, treat the symptoms for things doesn't make sense to me. Right. So still at this time. So I'm looking we go through we go through a little bit of a search, but ultimately it was very one of those serendipitous moments where where I didn't even know what a midwife or doula was at that time. Mm-hmm. But I did a little bit of research and suddenly found out I keep seeing midwife, doula pop midwife. And I'm like, oh, it looks like midwife is an option. So I do some searching with uh, on midwives and I find out I'm in Miami at the time and and I find out that the Miami Maternity Center is just a few miles from my home. And so I again I talked to uh, my wife and I say, okay, let's uh, let's go visit this place after having some other discussions and looking into some other things. And we go, we go. She, she actually, it's interesting because she was kind of like, no, I'm not sure. I'm really into this. This is not. I remember having to have a talk with her, not having to, but choosing inspired language if I could to be like, hey, just come with me. These are the words I remember saying. Just come with me to the center. Let's have the tour. If you don't like it, fine. I certainly don't want to force you to do something. This is your body that you're, you know, like I want to support you obviously, but just, you know, it's, it's me sort of trying to get her inspired in that. And so we did, we set up an appointment. We went in. I remember sitting down on this couch. It was was like literally like a house that was converted into a midwifery center. And, um, and so we're sitting there, they put on a video for us to watch. And I think it was literally at the end of this 10 minute video where already she was like, oh my gosh, I'm in. Like yeah. this is, It was such a totally different concept of birthing. And it was so radically different from being a, a, a part of the system yeah. of hospitals, which we can talk about, you know, even in here, right? But, but the midwifery, like, it's like, is it centered around the doctor and the systems and the practices there? Right. Or is it centered around the woman who's birthing right. and what's right for her? And that was it. And so, and then not only did she uh, choose to have our first child there, but she also actually went, entered into midwifery school there. Wow. And, and at the same time when she was pregnant. And so for the next six months now, leading up to her uh, delivery, the delivery of my, of my son, who's 13 uh, years old now, leading up into that, she was basically bringing home a wealth of knowledge day after day for me, which is where I learned childbirth and, yeah. uh, you know, concepts like this. I'm certainly not a childbirth educator. I'm not a, I don't work in childbirth. I work as a fitness professional. 
Um, I just have a, you know, an, an, a passionate desire to learn about what's going on in childbirth, right? It actually reminds me, one of our first reviews <laughs> ever was a review that said it was for our fitness professional uh, pre and postnatal corrective exercise specialist course. And it was, a, it, we actually, it was, a, she was like a professional blogger. She had a large audience. And in her review, she was like, yeah, there's all these good things, but there's no place for childbirth in a fitness professional's course is literally what she said. And it really hurt me at the mm. time, but now it's become like a mantra, like, no, 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 we're going to be the ones who have childbirth here because we think that's an important part. Yeah, and of yeah. course, our, our, our courses now start with the history of childbirth because we feel like you kind of need to know this stuff oh gosh, and yeah. it lights a fire under your butt when you know uh, all the you know the tragedy and we as i say we rake you through the coals to 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 sort of learn to have a passion to get excited about what you're about to do because what fun is it to learn the exercises if you don't have the background and the right. inspiration for why they're so important right 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 hmm. so at the same time now all you know 2007 2008 what's happening here is i'm now thinking oh okay well i'm I'm a dad. I want to be a dad and I want to be a stay at home dad. I want to be like having these ideas about how do I have a family? I mean, I have a little one crawling in. I'd like to convert my garage to a gym and um, I'd like my little one to be able to crawl in with no questions asked from clients, right? How can I do hmm. that? Well, I'm really researching pre and postnatal and some stuff like this. So why don't I, I thought, why don't I set something up for to train pregnant and and postpartum women, I'm learning a lot about it. Why don't I go that way? And so that's where we decided to set up getfitforbirth.com as a mom and pop gym so that I could basically just kind of wow. like be a stay-at-home dad type of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, at the same time now, my, my I, I actually got an article published and that article was picked up by an international newspaper that then I had a talk with the editor. She was like, oh, can we publish this article? We like to use it. And it was just a, an, an article on, on something. I, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but she asked me to help to write for the health and wellness section. And it turns out that over the next year, I would be researching pre and postnatal heavily. So I wrote weekly for this publication for about a year. And every other week was probably a pre and postnatal concept. And something that really pushed the boundaries for what was out there. Oh yeah. Because I remember, I remember um, trying to find a mentor in pre and postnatal to teach me holistically the way that I have had my mentors teach me in the past. And there was like it was like crickets. It was like, well, there's nobody, you know. And so this is what led me to to, to start like researching for myself in this way. And the long story short is that within six months, we looked at our little, you know, at the bottom of the website, we put our names and and then the web. I, at the bottom of the article, we put our names in the in the website, right? And so within six months, I remember uh, looking at the the data being presented, the data, and we were being trafficked by 150 countries. And at that time, by the way, we had been translated into a dozen languages. Uh, wow. So we were all over the world in a way that just really wasn't, you know, like this is still a time when even though I would find out later that we knew this stuff and research, it was okay. It just wasn't the way the culture allowed right, or right, permitted. Right. Right. And so our voice was a voice that was just simply uh, not out there. And so pretty, not only, I mean, I had doctors in other countries writing emails to me, asking my opinion about wow. things. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty remarkable. I mean, <laughs> definitely. Uh, these are fun stories for me to reflect on actually right now, as I tell you. And so, the final piece, I guess, of this introduction is that 
uh, my voice of master instructing or teaching other professionals, I think, was heard in some of these. And so we started getting messages saying, hey, do you have a course for us, for fitness professionals? Mm. And so as of this point today, I thought about introducing like, well, what is Fit for Birth today, uh, you know, 13 or so years later? Well, I, I think an easy way for anyone listening to, to understand this is, and I'll say it in three layers. Number one is, well, we do personal training for prenatal and postpartum people, right? So that is something that we offer. The second layer is that we offer continuing education courses for pregnant people, or specifically, I'll say one specific course, a prenatal wellness course, which I would say goes sort of hand in hand with a childbirth preparation course. Ours teaches you holistic health. A childbirth preparation class teaches you the things you need to know for, you know, actually the labor and delivery a bit more. But ours is about how to put health into that. And then the third layer is actually the layer that we've done the most in the last 13 years. And that is that we are a continued education company for pre and postnatal professionals. So that's where we have the pre and postnatal corrective exercise specialist course and various certifications of sorts that you would get. Yeah. So let me pause there now and say, (laughs) because I don't even remember what your first question was. I just went on a big old tangent, but have I answered that question? And then where do we go from here? Yeah. Yes, you did. You did answer that question. I mean, what I'm learning about you, James, is that you don't like to know necessarily what to do. You want to know why to do it. Oh, definitely. And that is a big part of what I think is lacking within our healthcare system. I mean, even look at like birth control pills. Sure, that is the what you learn how to do, but why are we doing this? Why are we putting synthetic hormones into people's bodies from the age of 14 all the way up until 29? And then age 30, magically, they want to get pregnant. And we've never investigated the underlying cause of this. So for me in residency, you and I would have been you and I could have switched places, except I took mm-hmm. a very, very different path through the medical system and had to find my way out of that because people were not asking the why. Why are people getting more preeclampsia? Why are people getting back pain? Why are people having protracted labor? Why are they result, you know, getting C-sections? And it all then comes down to the poor preparation on the part of a person who's growing a baby inside of them. And that's not to put the onus entirely on them. They're going to the doctors who are supposed to be the experts, but the doctors aren't taking care of themselves. So the why and the how is far more important to me than the what, because anybody can look it up. But like I always say, you've got, you know, people can steal your recipe, but they don't have the secret sauce that is James. Mm. And that's because you've been humble enough to every step of the way, be willing to check yourself. What do I really know about this? And what, where do I go to find out more? And that sounds mm-hmm. like your journey into, into writing and whatnot was really a self-exploration because you knew that there was this giant gap in your education as a, as a health professional that then forced you to say, well, geez, now that I'm going to be a dad, I got to fill in those gaps and look at what came out of that, which, which was multiple courses and all this content for other people that are open to admitting that maybe I don't have all the answers. And even as a doctor, I've done like all the stuff. I'm a half a million dollars in debt as a result of all the stuff I've trained to do. And I still, as an OBGYN, didn't really learn about a lot about exercise and pregnancy. So, so let's talk a little bit about what you learned. How does a person start to prepare their bodies for birth? Well, thank you. You said some really sweet things there. And yes, I, I would like to think that it, it does start with a why and an honest, I, you know, Einstein says something, I think it's quoted to him that be passionately curious, yeah. more important. And I, I'm definitely, I've been passionately curious in a lot of areas in my life and certainly holistic health is one. And so 
exercise the the question let's talk about what does a person just do? in general yeah i mean what I does mean, a person do okay. yeah, what does a person do and this could be universal this could also be catered towards you know a woman who's looking to get pregnant okay so you know i thought to actually share something here because i've been doing a little bit of research for a flexibility course that we're going to put put out and um there's uh i found a, a, a essentially a research study it's called the Baccarat or Baracat model, Baracat model. It's from 2020. So it's relatively recent. And um, actually, let me back up for a moment and sure. say this is that it's a, re- it's a, re- before I get to like what's going on today, let me tell you the history of a little bit of how we've gotten here, which I think is, uh, is quite compelling. So in 2002, before I was even, you know, doing this, this is just kind of like how the history rolled down is the, the ACOG, I think it was January 1st, they changed their guidelines. Now, prior to 2002, their guidelines said things like don't get your heart rate up above 140 right. and basically did a whole, a whole bunch of conservative things. You know, like this is partly at least how we as a culture for many decades, presumably, were, were operating underneath the idea that pregnant women are very delicate. They need to be put into wheelchairs and taken through the hospital. They are, you know, they're sick. Are yeah. you? Are, yeah, they're, they're, they're sick. People. Pregnancy is a disease, right? Yeah. And so, what is it that made the ACOG kind of do a dramatic flip in 2002? Was based on the work of one doctor and his team, and that's Dr. James Clapp. And his book, "Exercising Through Your Pregnancy," is uh, just—I I would honestly say—not. A, a very fun necessarily read. <laughs> like, like I don't recommend it necessarily, but the, the data that's in this, it was basically like a compilation of all the research studies that he had found to that time. And in a nutshell, and I've put it into uh, our manuals here. So that's oh, what right I'll on. just kind of re- refer to in a nutshell, what he found is this, and that is that exercising five, uh, five times or more per week, so that's a fair bit. Like I'm just giving people time to like sort of settle into what this means for them. Because the, the, the benefits I'm about to read to you are literally, if they floor you the way that they floored me, we're going to be floored <laughs> here today. So um, the duration is 30 to 90 minutes. So that can be substantial. 30 is not necessarily too much, but 90 can be a lot, right? Yeah. And then, um, and then the intensity is high, 65 to 90% of maximum capacity. Wow. So, so under those parameters... Under those parameters, five times a week, 30 to 90 minutes, and high intensity, these are the benefits that are scientifically proven. In fact, of all the areas that I've researched in within holistic health, exercise is the most well-researched and well-documented area for benefits of what uh, pregnant people can do for themselves, right? There's a whole world out there of holistic stuff and meditation is good. And believe me, I believe in meditation. Mind is number one. But but of the stuff that we have data proven, like like peer-reviewed scientific studies, exercise takes the, the cake on it, basically. Hands yeah. Down. Yeah. yeah. And so here are a few of the things. And, and they fall into a few categories. One is benefits to the unborn baby. Two would be like benefits to the uh, laboring mother or the mm-hmm. pregnant or laboring mother. Or actually, I should split that up into those are the last two. One is the the benefits to the pregnant mother. The other one is the benefits to the laboring mother, the mother who's in uh-huh. labor, right? Uh-huh. So, so let's go with those with those as the, uh, the concept. So to unborn babies, placentas are functioning 15% better, which is, of course, how you're 
moving nutrients and toxins in and out and stuff like that. So that's pretty amazing. Fewer fetal interventions. Hmm. So that can be things like artificial rupture of membranes. They count a whole bunch of things here, like forceps, vacuum, and utero surgery, stuff like that. Um, fewer than fetal affected complications, just a, another list of things like bleeding, ectopic pregnancies, intrauterine growth restriction. I mean, we can keep going. With oh, yeah. These are not things that I store in my brain, really. I just, they're nice to just know that, oh, okay, so all of that is proven now. Okay, great. Um, what, 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 what else for babies? Enhanced abilities before and after birth. Now, this is pretty remarkable because. Well, let me move on to actually the next one, which will which will round out this this section here. Enhanced abilities at one year of age, and then enhanced abilities at five years of age, and the presumption that there would be enhanced abilities for the rest of life. Now, what does enhanced abilities mean? It means better physical scores, like on the APGAR. And there's actually a, a quote from the book that we talk about where babies scored better on intelligence tests. Oh, wow. Now, that's the one that I love the most. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, So basically what we're saying here, if we stop there, is that a mom specifically has nine months with which to give the stimulus to her unborn child that's nurturing inside her womb, has nine months to affect the child's entire rest of life. Wow. And that's pretty remarkable. Now, that's I want to yeah. insert here that it's the whole preconception thing is a big deal. And- guys have just as much impact on the preconception stage and their health as as women do. And so it is definitely preconception needs to be the thing. But at this time and where we came from the research and what we have research on right now, well, you know, it is a critical, beautiful time for nine months to not necessarily look at it as, as how much crap can I eat because I have an excuse type yeah, of thing, which I'm was the sort two. of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The traditional way of looking at it to what can I do to really help my little one? Like I love my little baby. What can I do? Right. What a wonderful opportunity to take a step toward health that probably you've wanted to take or, or you've, you've wanted more inspiration to, well, well, there's your inspiration right there. Yeah. You know, you're going to love your baby, do it for your baby, if yeah. not for yourself yeah. and let it be the habit that, that fuels your family, you know? As a quick interjection, James, when I went into residency, everybody always asks, why did you choose OBGYN? And I don't have a clear answer, except that I can say that I thought it would give me the opportunity to meet women who are the gatekeepers to how many households are run and that they Mm. would want to be inspired to eat and move and sleep better as a result of now being pregnant. So if you're ever going to take care of your temple, now's the time. And then I learned in the realities of how OBGYNs practice, you have very, very little time. And so I found myself just referring out to everybody else, like, you need to go to, to find this guy at this gym. You need to be eating these foods. And I was trying to sneak it into conversation because it was like, you got another patient waiting, you know? I would hope that most OBGYNs appreciate that, but that was actually why I came in in the first place and why I ultimately had to step out. Because what you're saying is, like, this is where it's at. Women want to get to take care of themselves. They want to have the information. They want to care for their baby and set them up for a life of health and vitality. We just need as the medical system to meet that need. And mm. if the medical system isn't going to do it, fortunately we've got people like me and you who are outside of that system that are really providing this, you know, the the provision of this information and the uh the expertise. So just want to interject with that. I I think you're spot on. Yeah, thanks. Yes, the power of a parent's love of child right. is often whew, let's let's harness that right yeah let's harness that as much as we can and also i want to keep saying here too is that 
there's another quote. I don't know where this comes from, but regret is not worth the time, right? It's too, it's life's too short to regret, right? So, and the reason I say that here is because look, inevitably some people listening to this are going to be like, oh, I should have started. I should have started. You know, I, I, I can say the same thing. Oh, I should have started even, I should have done. I'm, I'm more healthy now than I was 20 years ago. Than I, you know, like I just think of it as my life's journey is I'm going to keep adding little pieces of health, you know, and uh, throughout my life. And I try not to, you know, I don't do like a diet for a short amount of time, although I'll do fasting and some fun stuff like that. But I look at it as the longevity, right? And so if pregnancy is your time to say, oh, wow, now's the time. Sometimes that's the time to quit smoking or, right. or whatever it is, right? And so it's trying not to look back and say we should have done all the things because none of us, even myself, is never going to be as healthy as, you know, I'd like to wave a wand and just have it be. You know, <laughs> like we're all working on things and I still eat, you know, ice cream or whatever. Like it, it's going to be okay, right? And so if how I'd like to position it is that if anything we talk about today is something that's like, hey, I can do that. That's easy enough right. or I'm inspired enough to give that a little bit of, uh, of time in my life or focus or energy, then do that part. Right. There's no way that in, in this conversation, which could become a whole list of a million holistic things for a pregnant or, you know, or a couple to do to get healthy, uh, don't do all of them, you know, do one, yeah. <laughs> just choose the yeah. one that's like, yeah. Hey, this one fits our family right, right. now. Let's do that one. You right. know, like, and, and, and that's it. I think that's an important place to be so that we don't spend the next hour or whatever feeling like inadequate because you haven't you know made certain decisions or changes or choices like you're never yeah. going to do them all so let's yeah. just choose the one that, that works for you that's that you're inspired for oh which is a really good way uh segment to introduce like really what's one of my favorite quotes of all time is yeah. that it's from jim carrey from a commencement speech he did and he he tells the story of his dad after 20 years or whatever and he had a nice certain you know stable job and and one day he came home and, you know, it wasn't like the job of his dreams, but he did it for the family type stuff. One day he came home and he had lost his job for some reason. And apparently it sent Jim Carrey's family into some sort of challenge problem, yeah. right? This yeah. was a big deal. And he, and, and, and he says this, he says, I learned one thing that day. I learned that from my dad that you can fail doing what you don't like. So you might as well do what you love. Mm. And the reason I bring that up here is because don't do the thing that you think you should do from this necessarily do the thing that really fits for you yeah. that fits your family that that you actually feel inspired for do that first so that's why i say that the two ways to implement goals are do what's easy and then do what you're inspired for yeah. right yeah. So, so sometimes you're really inspired and you can do what's difficult if that's the case fine but do what's easy or do what what you're inspired for and hopefully make that a little bit of both right there right yeah, and I, yeah, just to piggyback on that also, I don't want anybody listening to this to have the impression that you need to be lifting super heavy weights or that you even necessarily need to have like a full CrossFit rig and all this other stuff. My wife hasn't always been as into going to the gym as I have. Like I've got a rock climbing background. I was a tri an Ironman triathlete for a while. And like for me, that serves me. But for her, that, wasn't, that doesn't really serve her to be going to the gym every day. But what did was we've got all these mountains and hills around here. So we would go on five, six mile hikes well mm. into pregnancy. In fact, there's a famous story where I took her on a hike and I was like, how hard do you want to, this was like 37 weeks in our first pregnancy. And I said, how far do you want to go? And she was joking. And she was like, let's go 13 today. 
And I was like, oh, that sounds like a lot. So I actually took her on a nine-mile hike. And about six miles in, she was like, how far are we going today? I was like, nine? And she was like, are you insane? I'm 37 weeks pregnant. So we were like six miles out. We had to go three miles back. But the reason I even tell that is that that served her being in nature, being out in the outdoors, getting fresh air, and still moving her body and getting her heart rate up. Like She ended up having six-hour labor, like super easy, breezy pregnancy and birth without her feeling like she needed to adopt a new weightlifting practice or a new bike routine or getting a Peloton or whatever else. So I also want to put that in there that these are principles you, to echo what you said, you have to find how does movement fit into your life as opposed to putting it on the checklist of like, I got to do this many reps or whatever else that just isn't inspiring to everybody. And yeah, that's absolutely right. And a really great place to say that I don't think I mentioned this before, but in the Dr. James Clapp studies, weight training was the modality. I think I, I missed that. So it was weight training specifically. However, something I teach all the time is that centenarians don't formally exercise. Centenarians are the healthiest, longest living right. people in the world. And they don't formally, what they do instead is they ride their bike to the store and right. they go for walks right. and they garden and they chop wood or whatever. So those are really, really important. We can have data from science that you know talks about treadmills or uh, weightlifting or whatever, but there is a bigger picture here. Right. And the bigger right. picture is that you, that's not necessary for health. It's just, you know, these are commonalities. Let's, so you don't need to go to the gym is the whole point at all. Just like what you're saying, Nathan. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to go to the gym. Just find movement. Here, here's a way to look at it. Movement is a foundational necessity for being a human being. Evolutionarily, right. this is how we evolve. Right. Right. It's kind of like it's not like, oh, I'll do exercise because it'll make me healthier. It's kind of like that's backwards thinking. Right. It's, it's actually you actually have to exercise in order to function properly. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. that's why it's one of our five foundations. A lot, you have to breathe diaphragmatically in order to function properly. You have to, believe it or not, eat vegetables in order to function properly. Yeah. Everything. And then, you know, keep going. Lifestyle, which includes sleep you know, according to the sun, get sun, you know, when you're outside, have sun on your, on you during the day and then have darkness instead of like TV lights or whatever at night, you know, that sort of thing. And then of course, mind, and we can get into those things in a moment, but yes. Yeah. Choose the pieces again of all this stuff. And I try to make it simple. There's five foundations. We're talking about movement right now. Choose something in movement that makes sense for you the best way that you can. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. What I'll do is I'll, because I haven't even gotten to your question yet. So I'm going to finish up the benefits really quick in a minute. And then we'll talk about then what kind of movements can be done from a sort of a weightlifting or strength training or whatever point of view. So the next set of benefits, and I'll just read them off straight through for pregnant mothers, very basically is less time spent in pregnancy. And I'm going to pause here for a moment to just say that, you know, that, that old time where it's like, oh, I just, I'm almost, you know, I'm, I'm 39 weeks or whatever. And I just got to get this or or 40 or 41. And I just got to get this baby out of me. (laughs) Well, I believe it's a one full week less for the people who exercise. So there is no like, and it's healthfully, by the way, it's a healthy earlier delivery. It's what I would call uh, a natural normal delivery, actually. Yeah. And so less time spent in pregnancy, especially at the at the very later later stages, uh, that's a boon for many many uh, pregnant people. Yeah. Less weight gain. That's one of the number one reasons why people are looking to exercise and personal train, all that sort of thing. Fewer pregnancy discomforts, just in general. And this is not even talking about corrective exercise. This was just general like lift the weight and see what happens you're going to have less aches and pains and we can get to correct exercise later if we want 
reduced likelihood then of other things like preeclampsia and gestational diabetes. Those are, those are disease classifications that typically go along with pregnancy, high blood pressure and, and blood sugar sort of issues, right? So yeah. naturally exercise helps you to regulate those things. In other words, you're going to have an easier, better pregnancy if you exercise. Yeah. And then yeah. I'll pause there. I'm about to go now to the next one. Let, let, let me let me interject one thing. All of those metrics that you just listed are all of the same metrics that we look at in all maternity care literature. So what we're saying is things that keep the baby healthy in the uterus, things that matter in early developmental and neonatal uh, development, immediately postnatally and beyond, and how does pregnancy work with your body? Are you developing hypertensive disorders? Are you developing gestational diabetes? Are you feeling well and able to have the strength and the vitality to go through this incredibly challenging and, and often very uh, rapturous experience of childbirth? If we're measuring those in all of the literature and we've applied that to this exercise literature, this should matter to everybody. So just wanted to, to interject with that. Yeah, something I have said for ever since we started this was how are we not shouting this from the mountaintops right. every single every single newscast on on the television, NBC, CBS, whatever, I don't care. Why are we not telling people how to be healthy? Of course, there's that, that's a whole other topic, yeah, but oh yeah. my gosh, if we knew that this was the case, why do we have commercials for treating the symptoms after with medication if we could have commercials that's that right. said this? And of course, that's because of how capitalism works, right? You can't exactly sell this in the same way. It's a, it's a weird thing. So yes, shouting this from the mountaintops is what makes sense to me. Yeah. I yeah. guess that's what we're doing here on, on uh, Nathan's podcast. That's it. We're, we're shouting it out to all six of our listeners. I'm, I'm totally kidding. We've got thousands <laughs> of listeners now, but when I first started this show, I had a, an old podcast called the Obi Gyno Wino podcast. And I remember when I had like six downloads per episode. And then as people were like, holy smokes, why aren't we broadcasting this? It actually very, very quickly and logarithmically uh, started soaring because people are like, nobody's talking about this. This is such, this isn't even mm. rocket science. This is basic human movement we're talking about. Well, back to, you know, when I said that our whole team is excited for this interview and what we can do with this um, after is because one of the first places I went in 2008, you know, setting up the business is to the doctors to say, hey, look at this stuff I found, you know, let's refer to each other and yeah. work together yeah. and yeah. stuff. And after years of trying, it just, I gave up essentially on yeah. doctors. And so yeah. the fact that you are a doctor and a holistic doctor is like my dream come true, my 13 <laughs> years in waiting. And so forgive me if I'm nervous because I don't want to mess this one up. Like that's you, Nathan. I it's so arrived, fun. You know, like, here you are. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's time. And, and I will say this, doctors coming out of school now, it seems like things are changing a bit. So, you know, they say that that old ideas have to die off with the culture. And so the old generation, it will right. die or right. you know retire and all that. And so there is change happening. But oh, my gosh, do we have a long way to go? Doctors, this all this information I've just said here, doctors generally don't know this. At this point, though, doctors do know that exercise is generally good yeah. for pregnant people, yeah. at least doctors in America. You talk to doctors around the world and they're still operating as though it's a sickness and a disease. Yep. So yeah. we have a lot of work to do as, you know, America is so often a trendsetter. Well, we are just beginning the pioneering now into setting this trend of pregnant women in exercise. And the examples are 
outstanding. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the people who, what, the one that comes to my mind most often, there's just so many of them now, but I think her name is Elysia Montoyo, who was an 800 meter Olympic uh, track uh, runner who was three, you know, in her third trimester and ran the trials just to say that I can run the trials. Now (laughs) there's a whole, there's whole other stories about that, but what, how fun is that? And then, you know, and then there's a lot of people who, who, you know, the the culture around this is, is polarized like like many concepts in our culture today. But, you know, some people are like, you're hurting your baby still. And then other people are mostly though, we're, we're turning into the they, oh, good for you type of thing, but it's still uncomfortable for people. It's yeah. uncomfortable to see a pregnant woman pushing herself in a physical format. Yeah, yeah. But like, like in fact, I uh, in an interview that she said, and something that I've said before as well, you know, women back in the day, you would have delivered a baby and then just kept on going with That's your right. tribe, you know? That's right. That's the only thing I want to push back on, which is that I did a lot of work in East Africa. My wife is Mexican. Her mom was like, hey, if you want the baby come, just clean your floor in the kitchen. So my wife was on her hands and knees, not for the purpose of bringing in labor. She was like, the floor needs cleaned. And she was still doing everything under the sun, not just the hiking, but also cleaning, being on her hands and knees, scrubbing floors and everything else. And it wasn't like, if people are hearing that, it's not like I didn't want to help out. It's just that that's how my wife is. She's like, I'm not slowing down. I got a baby coming. And she's already good enough at relaxing that when she exerts herself, she's really scrubbing. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, baby came right on time. She had no issues postpartum. And that uh, notion is, is present everywhere in the world, with or without people like me and you. Women are, out of necessity, are still doing their everyday activities, carrying things to the market, squatting mm-hmm. down in the fields, picking crops, whatever else. And it's just a part of life. Whereas in the United States, we've gotten a little too comfortable with, hey, I spend my time just sitting in a 90 degree angle with bad posture, eating whatever is in the, in the, in the pantry all the time. So it's it's a frame shift. So hopefully within the developed world, so to speak, we can uh, start to inspire a, 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 a re-imagination uh, of what it means to be pregnant, I guess, is kind of what I'm getting at. That is for sure happening. There's a, there's a very pivotal question we ask at a key uh, moment in our course after we've presented all the data for all the childbirth interventions and how really dismal it is. It's, it's way higher than it should be for C-sections in in America, it's one in three. The World Health Organization has identified that probably not more than one in 10 is what yeah. it should be yeah. in any particular country. And through the research that I've done, it looks like, you know, if you ask the question, well, how many birthing animals in general die? No, no, no doctor care, just out in the wild or humans before hospitals, yeah. right? How many yeah. of them die? And that number seems to be about kind of unconfirmed. So quote me on this, but it might be around 4% or so. Yeah. And so if you look at, that's an interesting number because 4% then might be the, the uh, sort of ideal ideal, right? But, but, but what I'm really getting at here, let's, let's go with the World Health Organization, 10% of C-sections. So it's dangerous enough that we need to have a C-section because we don't want to risk the mother and the baby dying. Right. 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 So that, that's, that's why World Health Organization came up with the 10%. We talk about how dismal the, you know, episiotomies in some countries are yeah. uh, 80, per, 80 to 100 percent. You know, that's ta- essentially imagine taking scissors into the vagina, yep. right, to yep. to make way for baby's head, supposedly. And that's in most studies, that's unjustified for, for the majority of births. And so you just have intervention after it does not even counting the pharmaceutical medications. Right. Yeah, right. And so at this critical place, we then we, we sort of present it as look at the system. 
look at how challenged the system is. It's so bad, right? But then we ask the question, um, you know, whose fault is it, the mm. system or the body? Mm. And of course, everyone in class raises their hand and is like, the system, damn the system, damn with the system, right? And then we go, we open it up and say, well, it's actually a little bit of both the body and the system because people are not tending to their health yeah, today. Right. And right. so we have two things combining to create a lot of problems. And that is a system that just kind of turns because, you know, if you go to the chiropractor, you get chiropractic care. If you go to the acupuncturist, you get needles in you. If you go to somebody who has spent many years learning how to prescribe drugs, you get drugs. Yeah. If you go to someone whose <laughs> entire uh, career has been spent learning how to cut into flesh and pull things aside and do surgery, then you're more likely to get that. You right. just you have to know where you're going at first. Right. And so right. that's why in most models, like in, in Europe, they have a midwifery center next to a hospital. You don't go to the hospital to birth like in America. You go to the midwifery clinic, and then guess what? If something goes wrong, well, you just roll Pop over to the, to the hospital, and then it's <laughs> fine, right? That's really the, the model of care that should be probably – that's the best one that we know of right now, right? And so that's the critical place that we reach in our course of, well, 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 what's going on here? Well, no, people have to take ownership and responsibility for their health. We are modern people. Right. We are sedentary. And unfortunately, that's hurting our chances to do lots of things healthfully. Yeah. And on top of that, we do have a system that in most countries, even in the European countries, the systems do not give appropriate postpartum care and such like this. And so you just have a big old calamity of challenge. And it's yeah. no wonder that yeah. people are now angry. And although the statistic largely is 99% of births happen in a hospital in America, and 1% happen at home or in a cl clinic otherwise or something like that, that number is starting to, to churn a little as people will basically, you know, oftentimes what's happening, especially clients that come through fit for birth, often what's happened is they had a, an experience in the hospital with their first birth that they ab just absolutely crushed them. Yeah, yeah. And so they went and they they found a midwife and they're going to do it at home or in a midwifery clinic, their next birth, and they want to train to make sure that they can have a, a vaginal birth after C-section, a VBAC, right? Right, right, right. And, and that's a very common story because, but, but what's driving people here? Anger. Yeah. And poor care. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, so a person has just found out they're pregnant. How do you approach exercise for them? They've been told by everybody, like you said, you shouldn't be exerting yourself. You should keep your heart rate down. You should just be laying in bed all day, uh, doing whatever. Um, that's obviously not the reality for many women. Even when we talk about lifestyle, many people don't have the finances or the freedom to go to the gym or whatever. But they're at home. They've got some money saved up. They want to start exercising because they know it's good for the, for, they've, they've read what you, they've listened to this episode and they know that exercise is good. How do you get somebody started and how do you help break down their, their barriers, their maybe a mental or emotional barriers as to the, quote, dangers of exercise in pregnancy? Well, I would say the way that we get people started in exercise and breaking down their, you know, notions of, of danger is through this. We put this on our website. You know, yeah. we share this information. All of our instructors are very well. They know this information. And so I don't, I, you know, it's a little bit of of information. Like let's know the, the, it's hard to argue with that, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it hard to argue yeah. with the fact that, it, and in fact, I, I will make this 30 seconds, I promise, but the benefits to laboring mothers, which is keenly in the eyes of many people who are about to go through labor that they're yeah. oftentimes afraid of yeah. because yeah. it is 
typically going to be the most grueling mental and and uh, physical uh, event of a person's life. Sure, is labor right? It's it's considered to be like twenty four hours, and for a first time birth, for example, and twenty four hours is way longer than a three hour marathon, yeah. for example. Yeah, right, right. right. It's way longer. It's going to demand and tax in a way that, of course, I don't have experience with, but that makes sense yeah. to our students and our pregnant clients coming through, right? So uh, can you imagine if you did exercise and you got these additional five benefits, less time spent in labor. In fact, it cuts down by one third, one third less time mm. spent in labor from exercise, reduced likelihood that you'll have an overweight baby, which goes along with your own uh, body fat and things like this, decreased need for pain relief. Now, specifically, that's an epidural, the 35% less chance that you will select that you will need an epidural, which is something that a lot of people are, are going for um, when they're getting into a labor situation. Um, and then their decreased risk of non surgical and surgical interventions in mm. a nutshell. Minus 50% uh, in the need for artificially rupturing membranes, minus 50% need to induce or stimulate labor, 50% decrease in need to intervene because of abnormalities or fetal, of fetal heart rate, 55% decrease in episiotomy, that's the scissors in the vagina. And then check this quote from Dr. Clapp's book, 75% decrease in need for operative intervention, including forceps or C-section. There you go. 75% decrease in C-section. So they've read it. They know it's important. What are you going to tell them to do? How do we design an exercise program for a pregnant woman? Well, it's number one, start with what type of exercise is good for you. I suggest that you, that you have an idea in your head that you want to, in an ideal world, move every day. It's kind of like you wouldn't skip a day of eating vegetables. Right. Right. So, so let's not skip a day doing exercise. Now, is it okay to skip it? Of course it's okay to skip a day. You know, you look with work with your body, but taking time off of exercise is not, is not like a, a necessarily a goal to shoot for. The goal yeah. is to, how do I figure out how to move healthfully each day in a way that feels good? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, in a number of studies, by the way, it looks like strength training is, you know, working out better than even just walking yeah. in part because it's more intense. It's actually training your body. It's, it's changing the neurological and the cellular structure, yeah. the chemicals, right. the, the hormones and such. And so I am an advocate of strength training. If you're, if this is a time where you want to, to do it, if not, that's okay. Uh, there's a lot of strength training or resistance training that happens from things like uh, yoga and Pilates and stuff like that. In other words, I'm not going to take anything off the list. You tell me what's fun for you. And we're going to figure out a way to make it work. If you right. want to dance and keep doing Zumba, let me just make sure you know how to get your inner core functioning correctly so that you, you, know, you know what to do with that. Now, um, at the beginning of this talk, and I, I'm going to shorten this, but I was going to bring up a 2020 model. The, I call it the Barricat model. Yeah. Here is what it's called. Yeah. In a nutshell, the reason why I wanted to mention is because th this is different than what Fit for Birth would teach. But this is like one researchers official, you know, it is scientific research where I, where I pulled this from. And this is uh, his opinion based upon a review of multiple, you know, pieces of literature out there. And in a nutshell, they said, you know, as you get close over the course of a pregnancy, as you get closer to your 38 and 39 weeks, you will have a, a slowly diminishing amount of aerobic training. But aerobic training is one of the important things that that has been found to have good benefits. Great. Uh, you will have a maintenance of strength and balance training. 
So balance is like standing on one leg. Strength is like, you know, lifting mm. weights or strength training is yoga, certain positions, right? So you, you just have to kind of see what uh, yoga, of course, is, is known for having a lot of flexibility training, right? This Barakat model also talked about an increasing amount of flexibility in pelvic floor training. So basically, as you reduce aerobic, you, you can spend more time. So in this Barakat model, doing flexibility and pelvic floor training. Um, and pelvic floor is the, you know, specific, like many people know them as Kegel exercises, right? Close and lift your pelvic floor. And then a maintenance of emotional coaching, mm. which is sort of outside the, the physical exercise realm. But, and that's great. Those are four little bullet points there. But I'm going to tell you how fit for birth would, would shift it is this. It's going to depend upon your assessment. Mm. That's one of the main changes. So strength training is determined by your assessment and also by, so it's your need. Your assessment determines your needs. Like how are you in balance or out of balance? And then your goals also, because listen, if your goal is to just walk and, and dance, then maybe we don't need to give you strength training, right? Let's figure out a way to hold you accountable, to be your accountability partner hmm. for what it is that you want to do, right? Flexibility training will also be determined by your assessment because I don't need to give you like they do in, by the way, all of these research studies, they just arbitrarily prescribe stretches, but half the people need the stretches. For, if, you, if you understand correct exercise like I do, uh, some will need the stretches and some will not. So no wonder you're going to have conflicting research with like how effective is it for reducing pains and aches. And this is this is rampant in regular uh, research, not just pre and postnatal, right? Uh, pelvic floor training. Well, we have a pelvic floor external self-awareness ex- um, test that you assessment that you can do on yourself with the guidance of one of our coaches that, for example, teach you how to identify whether you're holding or not. A gold standard will be to get it checked by a women's physical therapist internally, but you need to start understanding your body. It's kind of like many people know when they're tight in the upper traps, like, oh, I've been sitting at the computer all day. I I feel my tension there. Well, not a lot of people know that they have tension in their pelvic floor and it's going to prevent them from delivering successfully or at least being part to that process. And if you can, through pregnancy, learn to relax your pelvic floor, if you're hyperactive there, that's pretty critically important. Now, whether you choose to go to a women's physical therapist to get an internal exam or whether you get, you know, you start to just sort of feel and listen to your body or use our assessment to kind of like figure that out. You need to start paying attention to your body. You need to be present with your body, right? And then coordinating of balance, balance, standing on one leg is going to come from having the right muscles turn on at the right time. Like, it's kind of like this. Do you put someone on a, on a, what's it called? A BOSU ball on one leg and do fancy weightlifting? (laughs) No, you don't do that. You make sure they have the right muscles first. You can do that. That's great. But too often in fitness, you skip, you sort of go to the fancy, sexy exercise and you skip the fact of whether or not that person is able to stand on one leg on the BOSU while holding with their glute muscles, as opposed to locking their knee and holding with their quad muscle or something. Like this is two totally different things. It's not so much sometimes what you do, it's how you're doing it. Right. It's so we do what I call oftentimes not not form-based training, but function-based training. Function means identifying what muscle is supposed to be working because if you get the right muscle, for example, glutes, when you do squats, when you do deadlifts, it needs to be primarily the glutes. Secondary should be the quads and hamstrings. So right. if you're feeling it primarily in the quads and hamstrings, then you're actually technically getting stronger at the wrong set of muscles. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm pausing to say that there. It's kind of like uh, I want that to sink in because you know, look, everything needs to be taken with a grain of salt. But these are basic concepts that are hurting us. We are making people stronger 
at doing the wrong things often. And that's actually what then grinds their joints away and gives them aches and pains Mm. later on. Mm. It is remarkable when you, when you are with a pregnant person or any person really, and teach them how to activate their, their core breathing, something we call at fit for birth core breathing belly pump to give you a sense of what Mm. you're doing. Mm -hmm. Basically you're using your breath to turn on your abdomen an area that people are pretty much detached from much yeah, of the time. Yeah. Not everyone. Many women are, are, especially women, but many people are holding their stomachs, yeah. holding, holding, holding. And so you have to identify which one are you? Are you holding your stomach all the time and therefore you need to kind of relax and breathe diaphragmatically? Or are you someone who's kind of disconnected from your midsection, which by the way, usually happens during pregnancy. In mm. my experience, they they sort of let go because they don't want to hurt the baby with yeah. their muscles or anything. Yeah. And that actually is what causes their diastasis right. because they have let go. They don't have a fluid, supple, core breathing belly pump. Right. So what I was getting at is that it's, a, it's miraculous sometimes to see how you just teach someone core breathing belly pump in less than five minutes, you have them repeat an exercise that they essentially did poorly just a moment prior. And suddenly it's like, oh, I don't feel it in my back anymore. Literally in a moment it goes away. Oh, I don't even feel it in my knees anymore. It's profound, profound to see this live is pretty amazing. And so let me think, what else do I want to talk about in the, in the, so the last two things I'll mention for the fit for birth, sort of like the ways where we differ from what even contemporary research is, because remember, you have to remember contemporary research is being done by people. This guy's not a physical therapist, the leader of this research study. He was just data searching to see what makes sense. It's kind of like, again, it never makes sense to me to prescribe a set amount of exercises for different people. Right. You can have a hundred people, but you give them all the same five exercises. No wonder some are going to improve and some are going to uh, worsen yeah. because you haven't taken the time to assess what they actually need. Right. That's what an assessment right. is for. So look, exercise is good. If you don't have access to an assessment, then do exercise. It's better for you and your baby. Hands down, no question, prenatal, postpartum, preconception, do that. However, If you want to invest in the future of your entire life, dedicate three months to learning corrective exercise, to learning what muscles are supposed to be used. I remember telling my my college uh, guidance counselor who was like, pick a pick a pick a, a, a major, James, pick a major, pick a major before I picked kinesiology. And I was like, look, I just don't care about learning about a car. I'd rather learn about my body. Yeah. You know, like that's, I don't, I don't want to know how to change the oil or whatever. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. I want to know how to, how to heal my own body first. And so for it, no matter what your passion is in life, computers and graphics and all that sort of stuff, at least you are still a physical human being and learning just something like three months, one month, if that's all it is. But I often say three months, it gives you time to learn core breathing, basic glutes, basic, like when you do movement, I'm not even talking about exercise. When you pick up the dishes, pick up your your toddler, when you pick up the groceries, there are muscles that should be activating and there are ones that should not be. And most people don't even know what those are. And then sometimes now what's happening in fitness a lot these days though is that people are sort of like, oh yeah, glutes, I know that. Oh yeah, breathing, I do that. But in the actuality, when you do the assessment, we realize you don't actually know how to do it. So it's one thing to say out loud in the middle of a fitness class, Turn your breathing on. It's another thing for anybody in the class to actually breathe differently because of that cue. Yeah. Two totally different things. Yeah. Yeah. And then emotional coaching is critically important. Let's be, as we've uh, been, I think, in this conversation thus far, let's be very aware of everybody has, has a different set of challenges going on. You're no human being, even the most holistic and whatever, the best parent in the world 
there's no such thing as the best parent in the world because whatever it is that you do for goodness for your child is going to have a repercussion that actually has a negative consequence. So this world is a yin and yang world. There's both. It's all wrapped up into one. And so long story short is try not to. And that's, of course, the thing, the plight of being a human being. Try not to be too hard on yourself. Yeah. Let's find the ways to have joy and to be at peace and be healthy. And, you know, let's find healthful ways to move in the direction that makes sense. Now, Nathan, have I given a sense of what is I would suggest and how to get someone started in exercise? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the the principles of any movement is better than no movement, but but it would be even better if you had some corrective, if you had a full assessment and some correction as to how you're moving and when you're moving and when you are activating or relaxing certain muscle groups, period. Think of even the pelvic floor. If you read online right now, they say do extra, do Kegel exercises. But if you have an overactive pelvic floor, which is happening at least <laughs> one out of 10, if not more, yeah. then you're actually worsening that. Right. So again, okay, so go ahead. But yes, you're right on it. And I just wanted to make sure that pelvic floor is such a pre and postnatal topic. It needs to be addressed. Yeah. And, and since you brought up pelvic floor, that was one thing I did want to get to, you know, the, the core pump breathing method that you mentioned, I've heard of also called piston breathing. And for people that are having a hard time understanding what you're talking about, imagine you've got a cylinder, you know, I've got this cylinder here and it's a closed container. So when I push this, the cylinder in, it creates pressure, it combusts. That's how cylinders work in your car engine. Well, if that cylinder goes in here and your front, your abdomen is firm, where does that pressure go? It can't go through your back, through your spine. It goes down through your pelvic floor. So this obsession we have with having tight abs at every moment of every day is exactly why I've ex- at least noticed in my own practice that women who are doing tons of core work and they're strengthening their core and they're, they want that six-pack all the way through end up with the most profound diastases after they birth. So I did want you to comment on that, but I also wanted to ask a quick one-off question. When you're coaching women, if they are experienced exercisers, are you still coaching them to go below parallel when they're squatting with loads? I'm just kind of curious about that. Okay. Well, first regarding the, your first question, Yeah. when you, maybe I should address your second question first. Yes. Yeah. I teach them to go. Yes. I tell them to go down low. Yes. In fact, the Eastern squat or the deep squat uh-huh. of dropping your butt to your heels is actually a part of our assessment. You, so the idea is that you have to be able to achieve that position if you are to, that is the position, by the way, of the shortest and widest birth canal. Mm. So if you cannot achieve that position, then you're myofascially at a hindrance to being able to deliver theoretically. Mm. So, and you know, many women can't get down there because the high heels and things like that have really cut them off. So it's, it's, it's just something to move toward. If you can, you want to be able to get into that position. Now, do you have to hold heavy weights doing it? No, not at all. I don't even need you to necessarily do your squats down there. Is it something to aim for? Sure. Go aim for that. That's great. It is something that would be able, like if you can get your glutes activated and feeling fatigued to do that all the way up and down, that would be amazing. You'd yeah. be a very, you know, correctively exercised person, very good muscle balance is what that would identify. And so, yes, please do that. I think I've answered that question, right? Yeah. And then the other one was about the piston breathing. Yeah. So with the piston, the, the, what we, what we say in the course is that there's basically two ways that, that you, your client is going to have or develop a diastasis. Diastasis, by the way, is a separation of the abdominal wall it's a micro tearing of the linea alba, the tendinous sheath that is 
uh, between the uh, the rectus abdominis muscles, right? Um, uh, it's it's other places yeah. too, essentially all over. But that's where it typically doesn't go back. You see, many people will understand that if you tear your which which is easier to heal from a muscle or a tendon. And the reason why some of our listeners will know that it's a muscle is because of the vascularity yeah, there, right? The right. blood flow. Tendons take forever to heal. Yeah. So tendons, well, this is a tendon. It's an aponeurosis flat tendon, which means that if it, if it pulls apart, if it micro tears, ooh, be careful because according to our conventional science, that's not going to go back together. Now, right. I say conventional science, uh, not regarding all sorts of other possibilities that exist. Um, but in conventional science, that's going to be a tough one. And so, okay, with that understanding in mind now, there's two ways to develop a diastasis during pregnancy. One is that you are in your third trimester and you've allowed your belly. You don't have a connection really to your midsection. You're not doing solid core breathing where you have a pliability and a movement and a and relation to your belly as you move and stuff like that. And so your belly is just kind of hanging out there. It's already at a, at a full stress, if you will, of expansion. And then that one moment that you bend over and pick up the dishes from the dishwasher, there's a micro tear. And then the next moment when you, when you turn and just, you know, look at your toddler around, you know, over your shoulder, there's another micro tear. And then the next moment you, you take a step and, and there's another micro tear. In other words, your belly's already sort of hanging out in a stretch and it's just micro tearing, micro tearing, micro tearing. And then you deliver the baby and there is no. That laxity. That's right. There's yeah. a laxity. There's no more capacity for it to go back together. You now have a diastasis and it's a surprise. Yeah. It's a surprise to you because, well, baby comes out and now you see it um, and you couldn't see it before. Mm. And of course, that's pretty traumatic for a lot of people and certainly a major change to adjust to amidst everything else, you know, in mm. your new in your new life here. So that's that's one way. The other way, though, is the exact opposite. You are hyper yeah. fitness person. Yeah. Yeah. You are holding your stomach, holding, 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 holding and it's a it's a nine month battle yeah. between your uterus growing and your abs. And by the way, you don't even know it. It's just to you. It doesn't feel like anything. It's just you holding your abs because that's what you do because that's what you learned when you were a little you know child and the right. magazines and the and the culture Six and all pack. that. You, and yeah. No one's ever told you to diaphragmatically breathe. So you're holding, 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 and so you're holding, and it's pulling, and the micro tears are coming just day after day as you hold. And as the uterus grows and you are going to have a belly at some point. Now, these people will often have a smaller belly, but it'll be a belly pushing through their linea alba in mm. a micro tear fashion. Yeah, yeah. And so those are the two types of people. Yeah. And so what do you do? Well, it, this is where I love to say, I guess it's just, I'll just say, please use your core breathing belly pump yeah, <laughs> or yeah. something like that, which, which in general easy terms is inhale and fill your ribs and belly and, and relax and allow that inhale to relax you a bit and then exhale and pull your tummy in there. So it's kind of like both worlds yeah. just cycling them backward. Now, in fairness, if you are in the third trimester pregnancy and you think you've been sort of stretching your belly too much, then on the inhale, don't don't make that your job to expand as hard as you can, right? Like go inhale to 90% then it's fine. There's plenty of breathe like they do in Pilates into your back or, or, or into your ribs out to the side is, is really what we tell people to do is into the ribs. So, so inhale 90% then if you're worried about diastasis, 
but make sure it's a full, like, uh, you know, into your lungs and ribs and all that. And then exhale with a bit more um, range of motion than yeah. what you've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. That would be if you are the out of touch with your belly in the third trimester. Now, if you instead are holding, holding, holding all the time, you just need to kind of relax. It's an inhale, relax, fill your belly, fill, let your belly full. Feel, feel what it's like to almost, dare I say, stick your tummy outward on an <laughs> inhale and then just kind of relax on the exhale. So, so again, identify, assess yourself, find out which version you are, and then do the pieces that you need to improve your particular set of imbalances. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Man, you're a wealth of knowledge. I'm curious if somebody's listening to this episode, because we are, we'll have to wrap up here in a few minutes. So we're going to have to do a part two. Sorry. It's yes. just going to, what's what we're going to have to do. Love it. Let's say somebody's listening to this and they, for whatever reason, they just can't justify signing up for a course or they don't have a local instructor. Maybe their local instructor's out or whatever that's been certified through your program. And they're like, you know what? I can do this. It's just movement. They told me it's just evolution, baby. And they want to start exercising at home. Are there a few things that you would say are universal precautions, or maybe the better word would be modifications for yeah. what you're used to doing versus now that you're pregnant? Hey, you got to be considerate of the laxity of the joints or, or any, you know, any, anything, any basic principles there to keep people safe? Yeah, let's go. Let's call it three items to discuss. I'll start with the laxity one. So um, the hormones of laxity, you are going to, you know, expand your tissues and, and your, your body is preparing for that. Not mm -hmm. only pregnancy, but in the postpartum, it's it remains that way for yeah. a while. And um, ballistic things, jumping and swinging your legs. So if you weren't to dance, I would, I would coach you on being careful. Like, cause so if you're going to like pick up your leg and swing out wild, wildly to the side, well, you're more likely to tear or to rupture or puncture something because of the laxity on all of the other things considered. Now I want to give a caveat to that though, and say that in, in our fit for birth training, we're pretty progressive and we're pretty like push the boundaries. And, you know, like when pregnant athletes come through, like, you know, we're, we're able to train them. Let's put it that way, because let's put it this way. If you have proper muscle alignment, you can keep doing those things. And that's, I think the, one of the take-homes. And right. so th there's two, but if, if you're not a well-trained in muscle alignment person, yeah, there's a good reason why avoiding ballistic movements makes sense. Very ballistic means very fast, right? So uh, be careful with fast movements, unless you have specifically, you know, you understand your body, you know, you're using the right muscles and you've trained yourself to be there. In which case, one of the most coolest stories I ever, you know, heard in the, in the cycle of exercise and pregnancy is how I think it was the 1954, I think in the, in the fifties in general, but the Olympics, Russia would, this was the quote in one of the studies I read, coerce their female athletes to be pregnant because they knew that it would add to their capacity, at least in the first trimester, wow. to perform. And so, yeah, there's interjecting a whole, that's a whole can of worms right there. But the, this is such an important thing that you are definitely not sick. You're pregnant. You are a superhuman. Yeah. You have, it's, it's the equivalent of blood doping, but wow. you still have laxity. So just beware. So that's rule number one, be careful with the, uh, with fast movements, right? But just know, I like to, I like to create the, the difference between a good solid rule that people should know, but then the potential. I don't want to leave here without you understanding your potential. Your potential is actually quite a bit more. Yeah, yeah. So just understand that, right? And then the the second one is there's this idea about, well, let's lump bend, bending and twisting into the same category. When you're in the third trimester, when your belly is very large, 
because baby's inside there, you have less leverage. The, the actual mechanics of moving through your midsection are, are not as ideal as when there's not a, a baby in there. And so what the typical rule is, is be careful of bending and twisting, specifically through the spine. Mm. So what does that mean? It means that this is where you say, hey, don't do crunches because that's bending through the spine, right? right? right, that's, right. Uh, mechanically, you don't have very good leverage there. And then twisting can be oblique work and, and you know, things like that. But what I want to say to that is, is, first of all, use your core breathing belly pump because that is the foundational way to do them better. Remember, there's a there's the rule you should know, and then there's the potential. The potential is actually this, Nathan. You're a mom on your second pregnancy. You're rotating to the back seat all day long, all drive long. You're, every single step you take, in fact, is actually a, rot- a spinal rotation just yeah. on a subtle level. So do I want to have our clients just an honor a rule that is probably a good rule to know but blindly, no, I yeah. want to teach them how to do it well. I would much rather you honestly feel good about rotating into the back seat. And if that means that I put you on a cable machine with a weight that's appropriate for you and teach you how to core breathing belly pump as mm-hmm. you rotate, then I'll do that. And of course, I have been doing that. Now, is it necessary to do in the, the nine months of pregnancy or specifically the three months or four and a half months of the, you know, when your belly's large? No, there's plenty of things to focus on. So use your judgment and your wisdom and don't, don't think you have to accomplish it. Just again, yeah. know that it can be done and that's the potential. It's kind of like the, the Roger Bannister, I think is his name when nobody, the, the human being cannot can't you a four minute mile, right? No one knew they could, they could do it. So no one did it. Then he did it. And then I think it was 11 people that year then did it after yeah, supposedly yeah. science said it can never <laughs> be done. Well, that's what I want to empower people to hear is that, well, we do this stuff all the time, right? Yeah. It's just, you know, use your judgment. Let's make something that's right for you. Most of you are not professional athletes who need to do this or keep this in function. So don't worry about it. But core breathing belly pump, will change the mechanics. It, 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 you know, like for example, exhale, make that tummy smaller as you do the rotation. And now all of a sudden you have something you can do. There's a, there's a client that comes to mind who she was pregnant and she was CrossFit and she wanted for her own, for, you know, for better or for worse, she wanted to do sit-ups. Yeah. And so do I tell her, no, you can't, or do I teach her how to do it if she wants? Yeah. Well, I chose to teach her how to do it if she wants. And I also explained to her the possible challenges if she, you know, ends up not doing it very well or whatever, diastasis, et cetera, et cetera. And, I, and then I say, I'm here to support you in the direction you want to go. Just know that there's a reason why this rule exists. I'm going to help you to, to do it well uh, for as long as you want to do it, yeah. right? It's your yeah. choice, right? I'm empowering you, I hope. Right. And then the final thing is like this, this idea of planks. And it's really the same thing as the the bends and twists. If you're planking, especially on your toes and forearms, for example, right. With your belly hanging down. Yeah. For most people, you can understand that, that the belly is hanging and it's already micro tearing because it's already like dissociated. Yeah. You're yeah. dissociated from it. You're not using it. And so spending time in that exercise is, you know, burning calories but it's also micro tearing your linea alba unless you do it the fit for birth style with your core breathing belly pump, which specifically what I would do is go back to the rule I said before, inhale only to 90%. In other words, don't inhale so far that you're micro tearing further and then exhale and practice 
drawing your baby in, doing what we call the corset. You're creating a corset or you're hugging your baby on the exhale. That is wonderful practice. And by the way, I would always start someone on hands and knees first and then move them to maybe uh, forearms and knees and then extend their knees so that their belly comes. In other words, there's a progression yeah, to get yeah, you there before right. I would ever do it on your toes. You need to know. And then you know, you know what I do? I'm not the judge. I am. And I tell them what my opinion is. But I say, you're the judge. Is it working? Yes or no? No. You know what, James? This one, yeah, yeah, I could do it. I could do it here on hands and knees. But the moment I went to forearms, wow, I really, I noticed the difference. I couldn't mm. get the breathing anymore. That's where we're going to work then for a little bit. Yeah. Where you can and where you're practicing just nudging into it. We are not going to skip uh, levels and practice what you cannot do well. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to have a second conversation, James. I, I appreciate you so much. You've clearly done your homework, and I love having people on the show who have done their homework and are not just bloviating about whatever they read most recently in some magazine. I appreciate you, and, and you're a gift to the to the birthing community for doing this work, and your entire staff, all of your trainers. I thank you for being out there, and I'm so grateful to be in touch and to have you in my tribe. Um, and I mean that. I really mean that. So, so thank, chills, you. thank you. <laughs> thank you. And you have such humble roots and you've come to your work with such humility. And I think that's why you're so good at what you do. And um, I like to think the same about myself. But that attitude of, hey, I don't know, I'm going to go figure out is not always incentivized or rewarded within our mm-hmm. society. So I thank you for coming to the conversation with a, you know what, here's my best guess. Here's what I can tell the clients, and then we can kind of dodge some some bullets later if necessary as more information becomes available. So I just want to honor you for doing your work and I'm going to put all of the links for how people can find you, train with you, etc. on the show notes. Any final thoughts from you for this first installation? Uh, I'll just go back to my favorite quote of take from this what feels fun, what feels like, hey, I can do that. Don't be too hard on yourself. And just know that you have a whole lifetime to slowly implement health if that's what you would like to do. And so I'm just one, this one hour here with Nathan is just one piece where you can pull one thing that's meaningful for you if if you're inspired to do it um, or share it with someone else who you, who you know would benefit from it. And and that's it. You know, like let's, let's have more of this life filled with joy. and filled with not the regret, the joy, the fun along the way. Yeah. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much, James. Um, We'll put all the links in the show notes, as I mentioned, and we'll see you all later for part two. We'll have to do some more, some more. After I have some time to go through your course myself, maybe we'll we'll do uh, another round here. Okay. Great. Thank you. Talk to you very soon. Thank you, you Nathan, for the opportunity. My pleasure. So what were your takeaways from that? (laughs) Clearly, James has done his homework. And that's the only types of people I bring on my show are people that really, really, really have dug into this. And James has read more of the literature than even I have. And I don't admit that with a lot of pride. But James is a true gift to this community. And thank you. Thank you so much, James, for giving us so much of your time today. James's work can be found at getfitforbirth.com. Again, if you use code BELOVED, you will save 20% on any of their coaching programs, whether you're a pregnant woman seeking coaching or your coach wanting to coach pregnant women. It's all there. Getfitforbirth.com, code BELOVED. And Full Well Fertility. 
best prenatal vitamins on the market. They've also got some virility um, supplements to help both men and women who are, who are on their conception journey and maybe not finding it was as easy as they were taught it was in, in health class. And um, they have Nourish Nerves, which has a, a beautiful blend of herbs, all organic, from roots to flowers. And um, it'll help you with sleep. It'll help you ease into a state of relaxation, whether you are pregnant, you're postpartum, and you're just struggling to calm that monkey mind. Try their Nourish Nerves. I promise you're not going to look back. And that does it. That does it for this episode of the Holistic OBGYN. Um, remember, nothing you heard on this is medical advice. I know that sounds silly because I'm a doctor and James is a true professional in what he does. But, you know, people get sued for worse reasons than that. This is educational. This is informational. And by golly, I am a doctor. If you want to run it by your doctor, reach out to me <laughs> and I'll be your doctor. That's totally fine. But I trust in these products. I trust in James and what he's done at Get Fit for Birth. And I'm really, really, really grateful to have his support in continuing this podcast. We're going to be, uh, I'm going to be having um, Lily Nichols, the registered dietitian I spoke about earlier. She's coming on the show. Yeah, it'll be next week or the week after. So that'll be end of May. If you need to find me, belovedholistics.com. I've got a great newsletter I send out every week. No spam, nothing like that. Just some links to things that I find nourishing and that have been helpful to me, my family, my clients, my family. You get, you know, you get the point. I sent it out once a week to my newsletter subscribers. Right now, I also have a free ebook that's available to people who are new subscribers to the, to the newsletter. If you were a longtime subscriber and you didn't get that, please send me an email and I'll send it to you. No problem. It's easy. On that practice website, belovedholistics.com, you will find a way to schedule a discovery call. You can schedule a short, free 30-minute call with me to see if it's good chemistry there between, you know, for both of us. You know, I don't hi- I don't allow everybody to hire me. It sounds strange, but I select the right people to work with based on their, their um, desire to take some autonomy and personal responsibility for their health, whether they're looking to be pregnant or never be pregnant again. Um, I, I take it very, very seriously and it takes, it takes time, but I do not let my clients down. So please go there. You can schedule that discovery call. And then I would invite you to purchase a package of time. I include a, a copy of Paul Check's book, how do you move and be healthy? And you read through that and we work together, exercise, diet, sleep, hydration. We do it all. Also on my website, if you're a health coach, an exercise professional, if you're a naturopathic doc, if you're a Chinese medicine doc, if you're a resident in OBGYN and you need some additional mentorship, if you're a midwife, a doula, childbirth educator, whatever, and you want to have an MD consultant, somebody like me who takes a truly holistic approach to OBGYN care, and you want to be able to consult with me to keep your, your, your patients as healthy as possible, but also to keep them out of the system to the best of our ability then you can hire me uh, or you, you can you can join my collaborator program and uh, you'll see the details on there. There's three levels, but um, the highest level also includes twice monthly peer review for any healthcare professionals that are looking for an additional collegiality and companionship as we do our very best to, to care for, for women in our world. You'll also find uh, my shop there. I got all of my trusted brands in one place. I'm so stoked about this because I finally like it's like, I don't know what the website or the code or whatever else, it's all there right on the shop. It's a simple website, so it's easy to find. But I've got everything from Berkey water systems to White Pastures meat and fish boxes to Paleo Valley's meat sticks to Bioptimizers, Magnesium, Breakthrough. I mean, it's every brand that I use in my own life, including Full Well, including Fit for Birth. 
everything's listed there all in one place so you should never have to pay full price for for supplements nor do the research i i take this very very seriously these are not companies that are full well and get in fit for birth are sponsors of the show but all the other brands are not sponsors by any means they're just the companies that i am referring so many people to that it's like instead of me referring them and finding the specific website for quicksilver and the code it's all just right there on my shop so go go to uh, belovedholistics.com you'll find everything you need to know about me and my time is through thank you good day good night have a great life and i'll see you next time on the holistic abijuan podcast take care everybody